Hello, dear listener. Thank you for downloading, streaming, listening to the Spooky Demons podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improv comedian from New York where things are cold and slushy and gross, and I hate it. But you've heard me complain about the winter before. What you haven't heard in a while is my wonderful co-host, Chelsea Bennington, is back on the show, and I missed you. How are you, Chelsea? I missed you too. Um, I'm good. New new year, new new starts, new beginnings. Um, I don't believe in any of that shit. <laughs> well, a lot of people do. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm doing good. Um, I'm actually no, I'm trying to, you know, just kind of embrace that it is a new year, and um, it is cold and it is wet. Uh, it was snowing quite a bit yesterday, but none of it stuck. And I don't mind snow if it's actually going to be snow um, when it's just wet and sleet and all of that. That feels very uh, half-assed to me. It is wet, slushy bullshit. And, and I hate it with many fibers of my being. Not all of them, but enough. Uh, but what, what I don't hate, uh, we've made a new friend. We've been going to, uh, final exam horror trivia at rock bar and, uh, you know, they, they encourage teams and meeting new people. And our guest today is, uh, one of the friends that we've made and won some fun stuff with. She's a writer and producer of things that you can see with your eyes and hear with your ears. She is Mary Bess Pritchard on the show today. How are you, Mary Bess? As we wait for the button. Always oh, a little tricky. Okay, I think we're in business now. Now you're in business. Yes, Mary Best Pritchett here. So pleased to be with you both. How are you, friends? But you heard where we're wet, cold, and complaining. <laughs> great, great. Exactly how I like you. That that's New Yorkers for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chelsea, New Yorker by way of Alabama. Yeah. Yep. So- and you got a Mississippi person here too so you're in good company that's as we lot, know that's a lot of eyes there, there's something about the south that i do love even as a new york city rat uh some people might argue about the politics but i don't think we can disagree about the people uh, mm-hmm. the people are wonderful and lovely uh and 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 i think uh it, it's whoever we vote to represent us that cause a lot of the fucking problems <laughs> But, but 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 when it, when our souls when our essences connect damn do we have fun and and it is that connection as to why we have this episode uh we were we were at final exam horror trivia and the movie that we're going to discuss was was, was one of the the portions of the thing and i said i never saw it and and mayor bess in her jubilant way uh said you should see it and chelsea second in that and I said, all right, I'll, I'll watch this if we do an episode about it. And we were all in agreement. And I watched it. And then there were some delays uh, because of illnesses and, and travel. And even today, we're a little bit delayed because my computer decided to, you know, fuck with me. But we're talking about Anna and the apocalypse. So before we get into that, uh, Mary Beth, where does your love of horror begin? Um, thanks, Rick. I... I've been thinking about this question and I think for me as probably is evidenced by a lot of people who grew up around the same time, I think my gateway, so to speak, 
into horror was being a Muppet kid, was being a big Jim Henson fan and watching movies like Dark Crystal and Labyrinth and and seeing those pretty young. And of course, as I got older, I looked back and I said, oh, you know, there are things in these movies that are actually pretty frightening. And I loved what that brought up in me as a kid. And I held on to that as I grew up and started to explore different genres and, you know, go through theater. I was a theater kid for many years, which is why I'm so excited we're talking about this movie today. Um, but I think that for me was really big. And then my my dad showed me movies like Terminator 2 and The Fifth Element when I was growing up that really sparked a love of things strange and sci-fi and kind of weird and silly. And so, you know, then I was able to, um, I learned about Neil Gaiman when I was in college. And so that literary spark um, happened for me where I started reading more horror and fantasy and sci-fi. And then, as you know, I've been working uh, on a show that I love for the last almost four years now called Hoff's Horror Fest, uh, which friends invited me to come in and be a co-producer on in early 2020. And that was a huge um a huge educational opportunity for me because we became a public domain show, uh, as you know, 2020 through some curveballs at us um, and was able to really explore that genre in a very big way as we were screening horror films and doing comedy segments and things like that. So that kind of brings us up to now and uh, really just loving the genre and getting to explore it with y'all, which is great. Wow. Um, I was not expecting Muppets to be the start of that answer. <laughs> and yet and, it is. And, and isn't it wonderful? It is, it is. Because <laughs> I, I was a little bit creeped out by Uncle Deadly myself and and definitely the Dark Crystal. Uh, but yeah, see, we, we all got a different, we all find a different way into the labyrinth of horror and, and ain't that great. So uh, we'll, we'll pose this to Chelsea, the movie we're talking about. And of the apocalypse. When was the first time you saw it? Um, the first time I saw it, I think it was. It's why I confused it as an into the dark film because whenever I see like a what looks like kind of a low budget or smaller horror film, I sometimes assume it's part of that series. If I see it on Hulu, that'll do it. Yeah, so it was streaming on Hulu for a while, and I watched it a couple of years ago because um. The, the premise of it, I thought, sounded fun because I do like musicals. I was also a theater kid. Um, and just the idea, like, I, I loved that movie, um, Little Monsters. And I just really love when there's, like, an innocence involved with a zombie apocalypse. Um, instead of it just being the usual nitty-gritty band of survivors, um, you know, trying to fight through it. I do love that it's something very different. Um, so I watched it. I thought it was really, really cute, really fun. Um, and I won't get too much into it since we'll discuss. And then I watched it again last month when we talked about doing this episode and it's still, still held up. Um, so yeah, that's when I watched it. What about you, Mary Beth? When did you first come across Anna and the Apocalypse? I'm, I'm honestly not sure when I watched it. I definitely didn't see it in 2017 when it came out. I think I saw it probably a year or two later um, and then I watched it a couple nights ago in anticipation of our uh, our episode and 
like Chelsea, I, I think it held up. I think I enjoyed it even more this second time watching it again. Um, since we talked a little bit about it and having, you know, a bit of a more critical eye, because I believe when I first saw it, it was before I began working on Hoff's Horror Fast and before I started really diving into the history of the movies that I was watching and, you know, taking notes and things. So I, I love this movie. <laughs> He laughs. I first, <laughs> now, I don't know what you... I, I first came across it a little bit ago and uh, tried to watch it. And, you know, I, I could tell from the artwork, okay, it's a Christmas zombie movie. And then people started singing and I thought, well, fuck this. And I stopped watching it. And, and I put it away until uh, you find folks convinced me to take a chance because you know we do tutorial episodes on this show and you know not just with other people but you know with me or with Chelsea you know we should be open to new things and so admittedly when there were delays uh regarding the recording of this episode I'm like no I'm not letting this go I watched this movie it must be discussed. So I did not have the positive reaction that you two had. So let's get into this, this zombie Christmas music. Now, I love music very much. It's musicals that, that bother me. But directed by John McPhail, we got uh, a school in like, England or someplace. Scotland. Where, what was that? Uh, Scotland. Scotland. Oh, oh, they're Scottish. I forgot that. That means mm -hmm. that that means they're allowed to complain about things, as Doctor Who said, and that means mm -hmm. I'm allowed to complain about the film. But I'll be more magnanimous than I would normally be if it was just Chelsea and myself. She knows my sense of humor, and uh, you're you're a new friend, Mary Beth. I don't need you to hit me with a brick. We, we, we meet our main characters and there's two musical numbers before the first zombie. And then there's a sexy musical number on top of that. So my feeling about it is like every time, like you've got your kids and everybody can relate to at least one or two of them. And that that's all good in the school. You got the, the dickish uh, professor that's in charge of the play and the reluctantly supportive dad but that that still believes in his daughter Anna but it's like every time a musical number comes in it just like yanks me right out of the fucking story so that's definitely a me problem what do you what do you think about the the opening of these films and do you have any favorite characters well I know that in in the research that I did uh, about this movie um, they actually swept the Toronto After Dark Film Festival, and one of the awards that they won was Best Opening Sequence, which or Best Title Sequence, which I thought was it's an interesting award. I don't think you see that very often, but um, I, I admit I think Chelsea and I may may be coming from a different experience, being theater kids, growing up with musicals, which I very much did. Um, so for me, having that element was really fun and. I don't know. Have you have either of you ever seen um, Once More with Feeling, the Buffy episode where they sing? 
a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> How did I know you had? I, uh, I had Rick the is shaking his head no. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Chelsea is the Buffy expert of the two of us. Uh, she has like eighth degree black belt, and I've probably uh, I've 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 peered my head into the dojo once. Yeah, we don't allow him in the building. Gotcha. <laughs> well, I saw that uh, one where they didn't talk. Yes, hush. It's such a good episode. Oh my gosh, we could do we, I, we Chelsea, you and I could do an entire episode on Buffy. I imagine, uh, and maybe we will. Who knows? But. Um, Yes. Uh, Mary Beth has announced her intention to usurp this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> never. Well, no, I would gonna, never. I'm going to stop being nice if that happens. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, I did read that the director, John McPhail, said that this was very much influenced by West Side Story, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and Breakfast Club, also with influence from Once More with Feeling, which felt very real because it's, it's this really magical combination of monsters and music and sincerity in the midst of an apocalypse which um, I think you used the word innocence earlier Chelsea but yeah to me that sincerity was what popped up for me and for me as a horror lover I think some of my favorite movies are ones that mesh sincerity and true horror with heart so that you are invested you care about the characters and you're also terrified, but you're laughing because those emotions are so close for us that I think when movies do that well, it's so wonderful. Like Cabin in the Woods is one of my all-time favorites. And I think that film does a really good job of meshing all of those things. Sans musical element, of course. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's that's my perspective on it for sure. I will agree with the sincerity because while, while there was a lot I didn't like about this one, that one character that cared about his grandmother, that I related to very, very deeply. I'm like, oh, I'd be this fucking guy in this, if I were in this story. Um, so, Chelsea, what did you think about the openings and the musical numbers and the dancing and, and the kicking and the, the flailing of the limbs and, and things that I don't understand? I mean, I, <laughs> my answers, I think are just going to be opposite, opposite of yours. I, I love it. I, I thought it was, was great. Yeah. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a great, um, I know it seems like a long time before a zombie or before zombies are introduced, but I thought it did a great job of, um, with each character and their moments in the songs. It does a great job of setting the foundation of who they are that way when we do get to, what is still like a rather dark ending and we lose a lot of people throughout the the movie um you do care about them they're not just like side characters you know assisting in a musical number like we're hearing different elements about them so um i i really enjoyed it i remember when i when i watched it last month i even actually was thinking i was like rick's already not going to care for the musical part of this um which you know, it's hard to go into a musical unbiased if you don't like musicals. Um, but I was like, oh, it is taking like it doesn't feel slow for me, but I feel like Rick's going to be like, all right, where's the where are the zombies? Mostly because you probably just want them to stop singing. That, that That's a big, big part because yeah, it felt like a constant interruption. Like when you're watching a movie on Tubi and then the commercial butts in, I'm like, I, I'm going to push back on that. 
please. That's how, why is you're it, how is it an interruption if it moves the story along? I I I, I feel like it 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 wasn't necessarily moving the story along. I feel like in a lot of musicals. Now, granted, back to the Muppets thing. None of my feelings regarding musicals are uh, applicable to anything that involves puppets. So things like the Muppets, Avenue Q, fantastic. <laughs> that That's fine, because there's already that element uh, where it's like, oh no, it makes sense that these things sing. <laughs> It may not uh, be the story along, but it does build the characters, I would say. But I understand this may this may be difficult to push back on. Um, but I guess I, I just when you said it's like to be commercials, I was like, well, wait, that's just a commercial that's completely out of the movie and has nothing to do with the movie. These do have to do with the movie. The, the, the musical numbers do have to do with the movie, but I felt it changed the pacing uh, too much. Uh, for me, for my taste. I did appreciate that the bowling alley was called Thunderballs because <laughs> I'm Rick and that, that amuses me. Because so, like Mary Beth said, you have the the, the tropes of teen characters, uh, John Hughes, as they got their place where they hang out uh, and, and commiserate and uh, bitch about teen life before the real problem of zombies show up. So, so I, I could dig that camaraderie and then it's, it's the singing that I, I felt it. I literally felt the figurative hook in me just jerking me out of the story. Well, I'll, I'll ask you this, um, Rick, are, are there any musicals that you've seen that you like? Um, Avenue Q mm -hmm. and Hamilton. And Hamilton, because there's no talking, it's all singing throughout. So there's no interruption there. Well, well, I wonder because I feel like a lot of times when we talk about musicals, people say, oh, you know, folks will break into song because they feel like they've said all they can and they have to sing it. Um, and it's emotional and it's, you know, um, it's a way to kind of dive into what the character is feeling. And I, I'll say with Chelsea too, I thought that it was, um, it was a really great way to get to know the characters even more, especially if a character is singing a song alone. It's, you know, rather than a monologue in a traditional play, it's a way for you to learn who that character is in a very different way. Um, but again, as someone who does enjoy musicals, you know, enjoying the the structure of a musical being, you know, we are having this conversation, but now I have to sing at you because otherwise I can't get my point across. Um, it works for me. And I don't know, I think it's a, it's a very distinct soup of, you know, placing something like a musical in the middle of people eating each other um, and chasing one another and lots of blood and guts, which I will say I did appreciate about this this movie that there was, it was very gory and there were some really great kills like i mean the first snowman kill being mm -hmm. wonderful and fun and yeah one of the kills that that <laughs> stuck with me because it, it literally looked like a watermelon cracking was when he hits the zombie with the two bowling balls on on either side of the head and the way it just like it doesn't do what a lot of horror movies do where when two weighted objects hit the hit the head in that way it just like makes it pop like a balloon 
or like a pimple or something it instead like just cracked it like a watermelon and i thought that was a really cool uh visual and probably much more realistic of what's going to happen to your head <laughs> yeah i think i think a lot of the i mean it's it's just this another example of this wonderful infusion of horror and gore and comedy you know that particular kill i think is maybe the second one and then the next kill is um a zombie being decapitated uh, like I think it's Steph who rolls a strike and knocks the knocks the zombie down who's trying to eat Chris and the I, I don't know what it's called the the piece that comes down in front of the pins and, 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 and swipes the, and the swipes pin. them away yes. decapitates the zombie and the head rolls back up into the ball return and that to me like I stopped the movie and I made a note I was like this is my favorite I love it so much. <laughs> But just that moment of of having having the head come back in the ball. I mean, you gotta you gotta give it up for that. It's uh, it's pretty of clever. Course. It is, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um it there it that going down amongst the zombie outbreak uh that, that's musical in nature. Uh okay. <laughs> I, I I I do love the gore. Uh, I, my favorite moment of the movie is uh, not so much any of the kills. It's the burning Christmas tree. That's me as someone who oh, who doesn't like Christmas. So there were there were two strikes in this movie right from the get go for me personally. But I got to say this for all of it with this movie not being to my taste, I'm not going to say it sucks because it was very well done. I will say that horror is supposed to be subversive and it's supposed to challenge the audience. And in my case, this movie absolutely did that. It, it did something atypical that takes a lot of figurative balls to do. And that more than anything, I appreciate the moxie it takes to do that. I think moxie is such a great word and I love that you used it, right? I try. I think it describes this well. I mean, a lot of horror fans are not going to watch a musical zombie Christmas movie, uh, I think. I think there are a lot of people who probably shy away from musicals. But I think that's why it's such a wonderful explosion of different different genres, different feelings, different ways of expression, because it is kind of unexpected and strange, and it does take you off guard. But um, But I think for a lot of people, it works. Well, you're dealing with, you know, and going back to like all of these multiple characters, you're dealing with a girl who um, wants to leave her small town and the father who's, you know, pushing back on that and um, dealing with, you know, a young couple in love, dealing with a best friend who's desperately trying to, you know, connect in a romantic sense with his friend. And you got the, the douchey ex who kind of a hero at the end and um comes around so you do have all of these tropes that are in i mean my gosh i would argue you could probably find all of those in the walking dead honestly um <laughs> like it's just these are tropes that you know we see all the time whether it be a horror film or not and one thing this movie really uh succeeds on for me um, I mean, I was already sold and I was loving it. But one thing I really did love at the end is it wasn't the whole ensemble made it through. 
and they're singing a big song at the end. Like it is still an actual apocalypse. They lose a lot of people. They lose family and friends. And and it's it's still an ominous ending. It's it's a good ending, but it's not it's not a happy ending that I feel like that's another thing with musicals. Not saying, you know, that Rick, you specifically say this, but when people a lot of people dismiss musicals saying, you know, well, everything, you know, there's all these songs and then everything is happy at the end. I would argue like 70% of musicals don't have a happy ending. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know a lot about musicals, but I know that that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. But there's a anyway, there's a lot of people that do like write it off in such a way. And I think this movie did a good job of showing that just because there is this, you know, uh lightheartedness in it if you will um it's still a pretty grisly movie and that makes it just really fun and really special as well well i i have in my notes that the blood is sufficient <laughs> yeah and i'll i'll tag on to what you're saying too chelsea in that like yes there are some very classic character tropes in this but i think that they're done in a way that feels fresh because you know totally as, as we're probably going to spoil so much in this movie, John is one of my favorite characters, not only because I also have Christmas sweaters like that, uh, that tend to light up, uh, which is always fun. Uh, but, you know, I think that the, the romantic tension that the movie gives you between Anna and John is not overwhelming. It's It doesn't become this huge, soppy aspect of the film. It's truly two friends who and a lot of these relationships and a lot of the transitions that relationships go through as they're dealing with you know zombies feel very real in that john has is very supportive of anna when she's saying early on like yes i want to travel and he's like yes you're gonna you're gonna do what you want you're going to you're gonna do amazing things and i'm just gonna come visit you and we're just gonna travel together um but of course there's that moment where they're pushing each other in the uh, shopping cart and he's like oh well you know at least you won't leave now and even that moment doesn't feel forced it truly feels like a very natural conversation two people might have who are in that situation where they don't come out and explicitly say any of it and it's a very short conversation but we know what's happening we know that she's confirming to him you know i love you you are my best friend i don't want to ruin what we have um which again is the classic trope and if they said it out loud would feel very tropey and would feel very expected but it doesn't and even when john ends up sacrificing himself granted he's been bitten so you know he knows he knows it's happening um there's no soppy moment between them there's no kiss there's no attempt to tell her you know that he loves her it's truly just a fleeting moment where zombies are coming at them and he makes a decision. And I don't think there is even any exchange between them, you know, aside from her screaming his name as he's being. Eaten. Yeah. And, you know, I think that was just one example for me of, you know, we see so many tropes in horror movies, especially when it comes to teens and slasher movies and characters that we see pop up. But I think this subverts some of those expectations, even if it's subtly in ways like that, which I, I really appreciate. I agree with as that. A, Go ahead, Rick. As a former teenage boy, I can relate to John and the sentiment of like, no, let's ruin it. Um, I wanted John to get eaten just because of his many corny jokes. So when, <laughs> when, when he did get eaten, I was like, 
yeah, all right, you, you went out as a as a proper friend and and hero in this situation. You're you're fucked, but you know, you're doing the right thing, kid. I I, I was also a big fan of uh of Steph, who I, I'm I'm often looking for representation in movies, and granted this mm-hmm. movie lacked in people of color. I, I would have loved to have seen more more diversity in the casting, but I do That love... might just be Scotland. It might just be Scotland. But um I I loved that there was a queer character right up front who whose um existence wasn't challenged by any of her peers. It was truly just, oh yeah, you have a girlfriend somewhere. Yeah, your parents are in Mexico. Um and I think sometimes when a queer character is introduced in horror there's the need to challenge that but i like when a diverse like diversity of representation is just normal and accepted and it's like this is the world that we're in and it doesn't have to be pointed out or 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 tweaked or or prodded in any way so i like that a lot i think there's two really good examples of that in this past year as well but i mean first i'll say yeah she stuff was stuff was my favorite um but i was just um i have a i have a friend who's staying with me right now and she is like i just want to watch all the horror movies so we've been just watching everything and anything um and uh, she's the one who went to uh, Hoff's Horror Fest with me. And that was her first time seeing Frankenstein. So you could say that probably sparked it. She was like, all right, let's dive into this world now, which highly recommend the show. If you're listening, check it out. Um, but anyway, there's two really good examples of that this past year in 2023 of, um, you know, queer characters and characters, you know, that are in the LGBTQ community that it's not emphasized. It's not part of their storyline that they're, you know, dealing with something in regards to that. It's just, not only is it just that character, but um, these are two very, I mean, they're not really spoilers, but uh, the first example in Evil Dead Rise, that's the character who actually fucks things up <laughs> and and reads from the book. And, uh, and in Talk to Me, um, there's a queer character who is part of like bringing, you know, to not spoil that movie, but is part of passing the, the hand that connects people to the dead along at parties. So it's kind of just a really interesting progression of queer characters, not just existing as they should be, but also actually being the ones that fuck things up and that's like a really lovely like it, it, it sounds I I know it sounds funny it's just it's such a lovely thing like to see um because people don't really do that it's uh anyway that's what it, ma- it made me think of um it made me think of those movies Mary Best when you mentioned Steph and and another cool thing about Steph is that the actress uh Sarah Swire I read also served as choreographer for the movie oh, that's cool. and came up with the dance sequences, which I think is, is pretty, pretty rad. Did she get two checks? Cause I think she deserves two checks. God, I hope so. Uh, I'm, I'm all about, you know, appropriate payment for services rendered. Um, I like our queer characters. Uh, I, I do agree that if you just present them as natural as the sun rising in the East, uh, it's like, hey, the, these are these are groups of people that find each other and interact and 
who gives a shit. Uh, I'm old as fuck. So I'm used to the gay characters being played cranked up to 11. Uh, uh, flaming was the term that used to be used. I don't know if that's still uh, used anymore, but very flamboyant, over the top. And uh, I've, I, I know gay people. They can be subtle and crank it up when they feel like, just as any other of the fucking performers that I hang out with and get on stage with and be wacky and silly and uh, fucking ridiculous. Uh, we're all multifaceted. And so, so that is, was another aspect of this movie that I appreciated. And, and I give hope to the young people that they don't care who you be kissing on, if you're kissing on anybody at all. Um, but yeah, so there was that bit. And then uh, we mentioned before, Nick. Showing up with his his goons to kill zombies and be a dick about it. Um, his song was my favorite. <laughs> I love his song. It's just so fun. It makes me think of like Grease or something. It's just so fun. Yeah, well, especially like I said, I read that West Side Story was one of the one of the musicals that the director said was very influential here, and of course, that number in particular killer spoke to me as well chelsea and very very grease very west side story um but but it didn't seem so very outlandish i know rick you may disagree with this but we're introduced to this character we don't have a lot of time with nick before the apocalypse happens but he is established so quickly and so definitively that when he shows up with a bat and starts to sing <laughs> and attack the zombies with his you know posse of buddies it works. It's, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel strange or unexpected. It's just like, oh, okay. I figured they would show up in some way here, but uh, okay. I will also say, um, have y'all seen, I'm assuming you have warm bodies. I, I, I highly recommend warm bodies. I saw it recently for the first time and I absolutely fell in love with it. But um, there's a moment that is kind of paralleled in these two films that was unexpected for me um, was Nick talking about how he he helped his dad. We we say help him. Um, I think he says it in the movie. I'm not sure. But um, or at least it's part of the dialogue when we're talking about someone that you love being turned, whether or not you you help them die so that they don't have to experience life as a zombie. And he says he does that for his dad who was on the, on the base when the outbreak happened. And there is a character in warm bodies who part of his journey is that his father is turned. And I believe in the movie, he, he kills his father so that he doesn't have to live life as a zombie. And in a, in a musical Christmas zombie movie, there are some moments like this that, you know, whether or not it's a moment in a song or like a very sincere exchange between characters like Sarah and, or um, Anna and her father, you know, near the end of the film where she decides not to. It's there are some very big, very heavy themes that pop up and, you know, comes back to that sincerity for me. As the, the non-musical uh, participant in this discussion, uh, I'm not taking it back when Nick shows up with his is dickish goons and they're singing because you're already in it you you know what you're in by this point it's, it's like you're in for a penny you're in for a pound and we're seeing this through because no, damn it i'm doing an episode about this movie it's what we agreed upon a verbal contract is binding in new york and 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 uh, we, we've given our word um so it it, it it has to happen and i do appreciate 
again, that subversive nature of having these serious aspects of zombie movies uh, laid out by, by George Romero decades before that, throwing in musical that that's you know the filmmakers fucking with us in in a way that's important to her if we if we're not challenged what are we doing if it's the same cookie cutter shit it's not going to have a lasting impact and that's why i think this conversation uh even though we're not all on the same page it's a lot better than if the three of us were talking about a movie and we were all just meh <laughs> Because that's no fun. Feel passionate about something or don't fucking talk to me about it. Uh, Agreed. I, I did appreciate the unrequited love. Again, as a former teenage boy who's experienced that. But, you know, when John was bitten, I was finally happy. <laughs> Again, you got to have the character that sacrifices himself for the, for the good of the group. That's important. And, you know... Uh, in my youth, I used to think, oh, yeah, I'd be the hero. I'd get through the thing. Now I'm, I'm old as fuck. I'm like, no, I'm the one that sacrifices myself so Chelsea and others can get away. That's my role, and I, I'm fine with that. And I will gladly push you into that horde of zombies. <laughs> don't don't push. Just run when I tell you to run. If you then trip gonna... me, I'll be very upset, and that makes you the villain. <laughs> God damn it. What an interesting and complicated villain I will be. Um I don't know. I don't know if you'd be uh would you be like savage level villain? The human I, villain in the zombie apocalypse? I think so, but I just don't want to have that. I, I want it to be because when when people are savage, like savage evil in the zombie apocalypse, like you have stories where it really is just the person trying to survive, and then you have the stories like 28 days later where it's like no we're working on like repopulating or something and that's just really sadistic um I gotta think about what my what my intentions or what my agenda would be because I I, I know exactly what it would be it would be survival you would not be a savage villain you would just be like Rick he fell he's a clumsy moose man he's a I'm, I'll miss him but you know that, that's he's <laughs> No, don't try to save him. It's too late. It's too it's late. Too late. We need the zombies to go will be like miles behind you, but I'm like, no, it's too late. Just don't don't listen there. to his screams. Yeah. Just let him lie there. It's fine. It's fine. We talked about this. Oh, he's still got yeah. his keys. You get his keys. I'll wait yeah. here. <laughs> I'll hold him down. <laughs> Just... we, we we need the keys to his car, but I'll I'll wait here while you get the keys to his car. <laughs> Throw me the keys. I think it's but, like I I always you know joke about if if I was in an apocalypse situation I and it's a terrible joke to make but I'm like God why would I even try that world looks terrible to live in I like showers and I like TV and I like food <laughs> like I just don't I don't know if I'd want to do this I'm like why are they trying so hard <laughs> to live um, and it's just such a you know I mean I think a lot of people like joke about it in such a way so that's why I'm like oh if I was a villain but would I do it just for my own amusement because this world is boring <laughs> I don't know I think that laugh think... does not give anyone comfort <laughs> no <laughs> well well I ask because I think that Mr. Savage. Oh, it's snowing. Okay. Uh, sorry, Rick. It's snowing. Uh, I think that Mr. Savage. You don't have to apologize for that unless you control the weather. Do you control uh, the weather? 
No comment at this time. Oh, uh, fucking hell. Could you make <laughs> it like 85 degrees in Queens Village? I'll see what I can do. I'll All see right, make can. a couple calls. Um, but uh, but no, I, I'm interested to think what y'all uh what y'all thought about Mr. Savage because mm-hmm. I I appreciated like that was something it's funny because you mentioned that being kind of a standard trope, Chelsea, but for me it's it seemed almost unexpected and um less so part of the trope to have such a vile human Mm -hmm. villain in a movie granted with something like the walking dead you know we're looking at humanity we're looking at how people respond to these these situations and there are some very frightening human villains in that series Mm -hmm. but i think typically if you're looking at like a classic slasher movie or you know a classic zombie movie a lot of times there isn't uh, a human villain it's really just the people against the zombies at least like early on um but I loved that having a human villain who, as despicable as it is, like at one point opens up the doors so that the survivors can get eaten because he doesn't want them to leave. He wants to be in control is something that really gives the film some dimension. And it's kind of unexpected in that way. At least it was for me. I don't know about y'all. What do you think? It it was for me as well, because I do remember the first time I watched it, I thought he was just going to be kind of a like hokey pathetic theater like headmaster and like theater director like I just thought you know he was just going to be one that's like you know stuck in a small town and maybe pathetic was really mean but um but for the no for he's, that, he's for, pretty pathetic he's pretty I think pathetic. we can say that you know in the way he's like talking to the students and he feel your feelings has, if, yeah if this motherfucker was pathetic to yeah. you, by all means. I just meant like the trope in general, but um, because sometimes these people do not turn out to be like evil. Um, but but I wasn't expecting him. I wasn't expecting us to have like a villain like that. I really was just expecting us to like be dealing with zombies and that's it. Um, even though it is natural that a lot of like zombie uh, uh stories do have whether the human be an all out villain or just be like not a great guy like a just a cd character like you still have someone but for some reason i wasn't expecting him to go like as unhinged as he did and i did enjoy like his song i thought it was really funny and i love a good like villain number in a musical um and uh so yeah i would say i wasn't i I wasn't expecting like the sadistic nature that like we did get from him i was expecting him just to be kind of a you know just again kind of like a wormy you know hokey character through it but we got something definitely darker my initial reaction to mr savage and again never thought i'd be talking about muppets so much on this podcast he bore a physical resemblance to jim henson in my opinion so I looked at him as a sinister, malevolent Jim Henson. He wants the show to go off without a hitch. Uh, He wants the cast to be his puppets. He will accept no less than what he demands from the situation. Uh, it's not about the kids being educated or enjoying themselves. Uh, and and speaking from personal experience, when in, in my school days, there are sometimes you encounter faculty members who have no business being educators, but it's just what they do, and they're not going to do anything else. So those two things really came together uh, in in my interpretation of this character. Just. Uh, 
the the, the malevolent nature of of someone who's willing to this unfortunate situation allows them to reveal their true self and uh that's where he gets his joy out of this thing's like i don't need to pretend anymore <laughs> there there are certain feelings i have around these kids that i'm not allowed to do and uh you know we've all even the most good-hearted among us for those who've never met mary Beth, she's a she's a delightful lady out there in the world but i'm positive in your travels there have been some people that you just want to punch in the face but you don't do that because you're not supposed to be punching people in the face i've I met mean, kids that i want to punch in the face I, I think i think we're i think we are all capable i mean this one reason why we love horror so much is that it it absolutely shows up to or perhaps what i should say is some of the best horror is reflective of everyone's human nature because we are all capable of lightness and darkness we all have we all have violence in us we all have some level of depravity we all have some level of malevolence in us like we are all capable of very dark things and we're all capable of really great things it's just how we choose to exist and how we choose to show up in the world and i think some of the best horror absolutely explores that and says yeah, and anyone is capable of becoming Mr. Savage when faced with an apocalypse, when faced with like losing control, feeling small, you know, feeling powerless. I think we all have that inside us, but some of us embrace that. Some of us choose to make a different, you know, some of us make a different choice. But yeah, I, I really love it when stories just tap into that in a very powerful way. And and this this was very fun in the way they did it. But I, admittedly, the first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh my god, who, what, how? This 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 man, I I can't, I I couldn't, I couldn't even entertain the idea of this character." But then the second time I watched it, it clicked for me. I was like, "Yeah, this is this is a really great alternative to the heroes and the friends who stick together and want to fight for each other and the you know the kid who wants to find her dad and the kid who wants to find his grandma and like people coming together to fight zombies in that mix of course like you said Chelsea there's going to be someone who's disgruntled or difficult and at the end of the rainbow here is Mr. Savage who completely turns evil against his fellow man especially when there's no consequences if you happen to survive how uh, you know no, if you don't leave anybody alive nobody can prove the things you did looking in your direction chelsea for tripping me and saying that i fell listen i'll i'll tell stories of your of your heroism so calm down you'll be fine <laughs> But yeah, I, I, my favorite character was Chris because he loves his grandma I was, and, and his girlfriend. I was close with my grandmother. I love my beautiful lady. I've been spending the last nearly two months taking care of my olds, which is not easy uh, and, and, and very exhausting. But, you know, I, that, that was the character I related most to. So is there any character that either of you related most to in this film? Um, I think... And Mary Bess, you mentioned Steph. I think for me, like the definitely just getting 
getting out and doing more like I did relate to Anna on a lot of that because you know I did grow up in a very very small town in Alabama and um even doing theater and such like I just I knew I wanted I wanted something bigger I wanted to be somewhere bigger like I I do I I did look at my town as oh this place sucks I don't want to be here I don't like the people I don't like anything about it but the older I get the more I realize you know it was just a small town and I was just like a really you know anxious and eager and determined uh teenager who was just ready ready to get out um whether like my family wanted me to or not so so I related to Anna on that. And then um, again, like just queer representation, like just seeing a character like Steph, um, I related to her in some in some bits as well. I'll, I'll say that in a similar fashion, Chelsea, I definitely relate to Anna's need to leave. I We've already talked about us being like transplants from the South, you know, coming to New York. I also grew up in a small town in Mississippi and was very ready to explore the world and and go somewhere new and wanted bigger experiences. And in that way, I can relate to Anna, but that's pretty much where it stops because uh, even though I, I love to sing, I am not a good uh, I'm not good at running. Uh, I'm I don't think I'm very good at hand to hand combat. Um, I if I had the peppermint skewer, I would very likely fall and kill myself. Um trying to run away. I truly think that that's what happened to me. Um, but in a zombie apocalypse, I think in some ways like you, Rick, I, I think it's probably likely I would get eaten. And if I were, I would want to help the people I love get away. And so because of that and the sweaters, I think I mostly relate to John, um, you know, being that corny, loyal loving friend who is going to scream his head off um any chance he gets um i i very much see myself in that role yeah i may make it for a while but i'm eventually gonna fall and impale myself or get bitten and uh and maybe if that happens i uh i can help help you get away so that i think that's the person that i'll say i most relate to is john so so if if we're stuck in a zombie outbreak and you fell uh, neither Chelsea or I would be lying about that is what I'm hearing. It's true. Okay. I, and I don't think anyone who knows me would question that. It'd say, oh yeah, that's, that's how she went out doing what she loved falling down. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that that's a whole bunch of different, you love falling down? Or no. Is, or is it just how you live? It's just how I live. I you learn to love it. <laughs> you learn to love it. I've 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 sprained and broken both ankles. I've sprained them both. I sprained both ankles last year. Somehow I sprained one one month, and then the next month in in recovery, I sprained the other one. So I, I, I'm not kidding when I say that I'm very accident prone. <laughs> and Gravity if I were is not your friend, no, it's not. And if I were facing you know zombies that were going to chase and try to eat me. But I'm just saying the odds aren't good. Okay. And I'm I'm comfortable enough saying that. I know myself well. But I would try. I would try hard as hell. Just like John. I would do my best. Speaking of bad odds, never thought Nick would have survived this movie because he seemed like a dick boy. So that surprised me. And I feel that's another subversive 
aspect of this movie where like clearly Mr. Savage is going to get his comeuppance. You know that right from the meeting. They didn't. So that was like, okay, is, is this a different thing? Because again, it goes to the unrequited love of my younger years. It's like, really? You like the dick guy? And I'm the nice one over here? I'm the one getting eaten by zombies? <laughs> that That's no good. But uh, just a little bit different. A little something outside of the the norm a little something unexpected for the viewers uh, which which again i can appreciate should challenge the people what, what did you think of that turn of events i i thought yeah it was a bit subversive it was a little unexpected that he that he should survive but in the grand scheme i mean he he is the person who clearly chose violence and it served him well because he was able to fight through the zombies and protect people even though it was you know very much a machismo you know act of self-preservation to say oh stand behind me ladies stand behind me you know it's it ended up serving him well uh, unfortunately his buddies uh did not did not make it out but i do think you know he he has some level of redemption it's not huge. It it doesn't again like like the moment with John and Anna when he's about to sacrifice himself. We don't spend a lot of time there. It's very quick, and I think the same is true of Nick's uh, journey, more or less. In that, towards the end, he doesn't make a grand sacrifice. He doesn't show up for Anna in a big way. But I don't know. I think maybe maybe it's that moment where she's saying goodbye to her father, and he comes in, and he's like, you know, we've got to go, and. You know, she asks, do you want me to help? And he says, no, don't. And and I think that truly comes from a place of wanting to protect her and help her escape without her taking on more trauma. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I think towards the end, I don't necessarily see him in a glowing light or anything, but I think he he more or less proves his worth as someone who can genuinely protect the people around him rather than just trying to show off and hopefully that means that he's on a path to to being a better person in this new world that they drive off into yeah i think the movie does a good job of like it's still again you know even with it being having its musical elements it's still a very brutal world that they are in a very harsh and brutal world hesitation you'll get bitten um pa being passive you're going to get bitten or eaten um and like you said he chose violence and you know not saying his way about it and even just the way he acted about his friends and when they died he was like well they should have been quicker um it's going to harden you in, in one way or another, especially if you were already kind of a brute. <laughs> um, I think that's just going to add to it. And at least for a little while, it's going to be in your favor. Like if you're, if you have no hesitation about being that, you know, that quick, that violent, that aggressive, because that is the world that you're in now. And I do think he had that, you know, quick and, and small moment of, of some redemption and, um, after I saw, after he like, you know, let, told her to go and such, I had a feeling he was going to come back because I just didn't think they were going to kill off um, all the men in her life. <laughs> so um, I was like, I feel like there's going to be one. Um, Somebody's got to open these jars and get things off the top shelf. <laughs> so, spiders and doodle bugs and things like that. So I think, um, 
So I, I don't think I was taken aback by him, by him surviving, but uh, I didn't necessarily mind his character. Again, I liked his song, so didn't really mind. <laughs> All right, so, so in closing, this was a lovely conversation. Two out of three of us really enjoyed this movie. And then you know what? That's not bad. That's a passing grade, uh, I think, in school. But, you know, it, watching the movie was worth having the conversation. And, and that's why we do this fucking show, because it's fun. And I like talking with these people, especially when everybody feels very strongly. Again, if, if we were ambivalent about it it wouldn't be an entertaining podcast so mayor Bess, where can the people find you if they want to find you out there in the in the, in the world of the info webs um you can find me online at marybestpritchett.com i'm also on instagram at lasercatcommander l-a-z-e-r and you can follow Hoff's Horror Fest. We have a website, hoffshorrorfest.com. You can find us on all the socials. And um, I'm not sure when our next show is coming up, but uh, if you're following us on socials, we will announce it. And always love to see new people in the audience. It's a really great horror film screening and comedy show that I get to do with my good friends, uh, Hoff Matthews and Andrea Lupalui. So um, I think those are all the places. Uh, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Chelsea, where can the people find it if they want to find it? Um, first, and I know I said this earlier, but I'm just going to emphasize again, Hoff's Horror Fest is so fun. Like, I just had such such a hoot. And my friend that went with me, it was, again, her first exposure to, it was a Frankenstein uh, showing. Um, it was her first exposure to that. And it was done so well. And the skits were so funny. I just... Y'all got to follow because I can't wait for their next show personally. Um, but to find me, um, I'm, uh, if you look up Chelsea Bennington on Twitter or X, uh, I'm there. And then if you just type in Chelsea Bennington on Instagram, you'll find me. My username's kind of, kind of weird um, to spell out. So just look up Chelsea Bennington and you'll see me. Cool. You can check out Spooky Doings Improv on Facebook, Spooky Doings, it's on Instagram and threads. I'm at Rick Cousin 718 on the Tweety. We're working on getting some new shows happening. And you know, you, you'll find us bopping about at various horror trivia events out in the world because it's fun and I like prizes. Uh, some horror trivia events are more difficult than others. Uh, but in the words of Governor Jesse Ventura, win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. <laughs> No, God, it's, we're not cheaters. <laughs> Don't put that out on there. What do you mean we, Kima? No, I, I, I am honorable, but I am underhanded. <laughs> it works for me. Anyway, everybody, thank you again for being part of the show. Uh, well, you got an open door to come back anytime, uh, but you know, uh, maybe I'll pick the movie then, and it'll be something that that I know that I like, and then it'll be payback. <laughs> Oh, come on. <laughs> You've watched worse. I have. I have. This was, was far better than Cannibal Holocaust. There's no... Oh, thank I goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, if that's the benchmark, then yeah. we, we win. We did it. That, that, that is the, the worst movie that I've seen in a very long time. Anyway, 
So to all our listeners, thanks for hanging around with us in the meantime and in between time. Everybody stay good, stay healthy, and stay spooky.